Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC has got another exciting heavyweight contest coming down the pipe this upcoming weekend in Las Vegas between Yair Rosenstrike and Surreal Gane. And because we always give you the interviews you want, we actually have interviews with both headliners. First, I'll be talking with Yair Rosenstrike, who tells us the origin of the nickname Biggie Boy, as well as breaking down the matchup. And then a little bit later on, we talk to Surreal as he talks about his path to the title and the fact that there's a training partner possibly standing in the way, or a former training partner, that is. So we're going to get to that, but we're also going to get to our Fights, Dogs, and Parlay segment, where we're going to break down that fight, two other of our favorite fights on the main card as part of that segment, as well as giving you an underdog and a parlay we think you should play. Now, before we get to any of that great content, i got to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bettors providing insight, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. You head on over to betterthan.vegas, and from there you can browse, search, and follow cappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming contests. You already read, listen to some of these people, and now you get to hear their picks every single week straight from their mouth in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there now, you can see Shockwave Dave this week give you his pick, plus a few bonus selections that you can only see on our Better Than Vegas page. If you'd like, and hey, maybe you've got something you'd like to say, start your own account and start your own following. It's easy to do with BetterThan.Vegas. BetterThan.Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turn MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Yair Rosenstroik, who fights Surreal Gain as the headliner of UFC at the Apex on February 27th. So, Yair, I wanted to start by talking about the fact that this originally was scheduled to be a three-round fight. They they come to you with the offer to make it a five-round fight. What, what were sort of your thoughts when they made that offer to you? Mm, it wasn't it wasn't even hard to think about because yeah, having your own car is better, like many fans. And now the fight is five rounds, so you don't have to rush the fight in a three round. Um, you have more time to do it, and the fans can enjoy more if the fight goes to five rounds. And, and, and out of curiosity, too, you said you don't have to rush it. Do you feel like that plays into your strengths, that you don't have to rush and that you can sort of set up what you want to do? No, I mean, three-round fight is a different is a, a different style. You have to get the, the the right timing and you know but five rounds is like small rounds but i mean you can take your time you can dance you can see where the fights want to go you know so um for me it's fine three rounds five rounds but now i got more time so i'm focusing on more time and is that something that you thought played well into your hands in that Overeem fight? I, I know, you know, that, that fight, you, you land the knockout with almost no time left. Is, is that something that you thought, you know, that five rounds played particularly well for you there? Yeah, actually it did because, um, yeah, that fight was, I was a little bit frustrated in that fight and uh, didn't find the opening. Uh was kind of seconds too late uh, to land my shots and finally 
with a couple of seconds left, I still got the got the opening and put him down. I got the opportunity and then win the fight. So it kind of it kind of helps. And do you feel like you grew from that? Because you said obviously that he frustrated you a lot. You felt like you know you couldn't find your openings. What what did you feel like you took away from that fight with Overeem? Now that fight, I'm, I'm thankful that I fight uh, fought over him that I win. I'm happy. But that's the most fight. Uh, I learn a lot in the octagon, get the feeling more in the octagon, where I stand it, uh, what's on the ground and how it feels. Uh, so right now, what I took away, I changed a lot. Uh, one second. Food's got here. I don't need to say that. Yeah, coach bring my food. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that, that it teach me a lot and I learn a lot. So, um of course I grew from that and that fight I had only two two weeks to 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 prepare because it was an it was an, uh, a replacement so yeah I can that fight was uh, for sure uh, it teach me a lot and, and obviously you get a, a KO win over somebody like over him you you now have a lot of knockout wins over legends junior dos Santos you know the, the list kind of goes on now, now you're preparing for kind of a different animal. Surreal Gan is, is a guy who is not, maybe not as big of a name as them, but he's undefeated. He, he presents a lot of new challenges. So, obviously, when you're being given his name, what is the thought process of going from somebody like Overeem and Naganu and Junior Dos Santos to a guy like Surreal Gan? I mean, um, it's the heavyweight division. It's the the top fifteen. Anyway, who's in the top? Anyone who's in the top 15, I want to face them because that's that's gonna make me better. Uh, more that I fight, or better I get. And when they come with that name for me, it wasn't even. Uh, I don't even think a second like, no, give me someone. No, I was like right away, okay, let's fight, and I'm happy that I can fight again. Um, been um, from August uh, 2020, and then now, and I used to fight more often in a year, so it feels good that I can fight again, and it doesn't matter who I'm have to face. And is that sort of your goal for 2020 as well, to, to just get as many fights in as you sort of can to, to catapult you towards the top of the division? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the goal for my career. I want to face everybody. I want to fight. I want to fight so much times that I can uh, learn more. And, yeah, that's, that's the goal for, for my career. I want to face everybody and get better and be champion one day and stay champion till I, I'm, I'm – time to retire and how close do you feel like you get to a title shot with this win obviously you had a little bit of a setback against uh, a guy who's going to be fighting for the title in Francis Naganu, but th- this win it's another top 10 win it's another guy with a big name and a zero next to his his loss column how close does it get you to that realization I think after this I might be fighting one more time but in the meanwhile I I doesn't uh, I doesn't matter to fight around you know, get my skills better, um, get my experience better, and you know, fight fight everybody who's around. I mean, there's a top, it's a top five there, it's a whole top 15. So we can face anyone, get our skills better, get our get ourselves better, and you know, we will we will go in there and, and face everybody. That's how I feel. I certainly like that mentality, and, and it sort of leads me to my next question, too, because obviously the heavyweight division has a title fight that's scheduled with Francis and Stipe, but also with John Jones coming up, a lot of people are talking about him jumping the line, including President Dana White. I was curious, you know, you're, you're talking about fighting everybody and wanting to fight everybody. 
does it then not bother you that that he's sort of coming to the division and getting a shot without having to face you know people like you and Curtis Blades and Junior Dos Santos? Nah, for me it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I mean the man is one of the best, one of the greatest of all time, and he was a champion. He lived his light heavyweight division championship and then come to the heavyweight and won a. I mean, I think it's earned and he should get it. So it doesn't bother me at all. That, that's absolutely a, a great mentality to have. Now, I was curious as if you would want to share your thoughts on the matchup between Stipe and Francis, having been in there with, with Francis Naganu, and, you know, obviously seeing Stipe fight plenty of times in your division. That title's on the line soon. How, how do you see that fight going? Nah, uh, for me, I don't, I don't care. Uh, I hope it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a top fight. And, of course, I'm going to be watching, excited, exciting to see that fight and learn a lot from that fight. Because in the future, I have to face one of those guys. If it's Francis again, and then, yeah, I mean, who wins? I'm happy for them. But if the gold is there, that's the guy I'm after. And, yeah, I mean, I've been working and getting better. That when, I, when it's my time to get a title shot, I can put down my best performance and win that title. And, and so you said you don't care necessarily that it's different. I'm curious, being that Francis is sort of that one L on your, your record, does that feel like a fight that you really want back at some point in time in your career? Do you see yourself, you know, squaring off with, with Francis again? No, of course. I mean, if he's champion, it's, it's nicer. But if he didn't win that fight, I'm not, I'm not going to look for that fight. I'm, the, the thing I'm after is the, is, is the title. That's the goal. And being champion can make you better, can make you greater, and then you can become the best of all time. And I mean, that's what we're looking for. No bad blood with no bad blood with nobody. I mean, we are going for one goal. We are in the best in the best um, promotion on earth, and we're all in the in the big race. So we're gonna put our best feet in front, and you know how it goes. Absolutely. Now, I, I want to get back to talking about your, your fight with Ghana in just a second. But before I do, I love asking fighters questions about where their nickname comes from. So you, you've got the nickname Biggie Boy, and it's you know well-branded across social media. You got it out there up front. Where, where did you get the nickname Biggie Boy, if you don't mind me asking? Nah, no problem. I got a nickname from I used to play basketball. That's my first sport. And my name is Jorginho, so nobody can pronounce my name. And they were like... And I was in a position that I had the ball, and I have to make the ball so we can win. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, make it. Yeah, now, now. And I say, yeah, you biggie boy, make it. Like, you big boy, make the ball. And I did the move, and I make and I make it, and we won. And everybody, everyone started like, biggie boy, biggie boy. And that's how the names, I stuck with the name. And I'm happy with it because it's my childhood. Um, everybody know me as Biggie Boy, and now I'm fighting with the same name that I got from I was like nine years old, and everybody know me from from that, and yeah, it's awesome. So, so I imagine too, then if you were a basketball player, you're nine years old, you were a big kid right away, like you, you were the I you was stuck big. out. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And, and how long did you play basketball? Were you a basketball player for a, a significant period of time, or did that kind of go away as you got older? I kind of go. I think I just I wasn't good at it because <laughs> you know I was playing basketball and football at the same time. So the two coaches was fighting each other. Yeah, you can't take the 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 kids to to train basketball and the basketball. You can't take the the kids to train soccer. So it was I was like we playing soccer, we playing basketball, and kind of we growing up. Just kind of go away. I still I play soccer longer than than basketball. 
Really? In in yeah. uh, out of curiosity, that that's a big soccer player. Uh, goalie in soccer, or do you playing everywhere else too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just play sometimes with my friends. It's like it's a hobby, and yeah, always feels good to to get running a little bit, and you know. <laughs> For sure, for sure. All right, so let's let's get back to the, the task at hand. So you're fighting Surogan as the headliner of UFC at the Apex in February 27th. So I want a prediction out of you. How do you see this fight going? How's it going down? Nah, for me, of course I want to win, and I'm going to win. Um, I don't know what's round or when it's going to happen. Um, I'm in great shape. I feel good. And the only thing is, I hope he's come there. I get the best version of him. And we're going to play it out in there. And, yeah. I'm looking for a win and have to win, and nothing counts for me. So that's what we're going for. All right, we heard it here first, folks. This is Yair Rosenstrike, who fights Cyril Gan as the headliner of UFC at the Apex on February 27th. Yair, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Anytime, let me know. In that interview with Yair, Rosenstrike was brought to you by Jack Market. Look, We've all played daily fantasy sports and saw one of our guys put up an absolute dud of a first half. You almost wish you could just sell them off and start fresh in the second half. And now you can with Jock Market. Jock Market is the only daily fantasy sports app that allows you to buy and sell players as stock commodities while the games are going on. You can start by bidding on their IPOs and Jock Market issues the shares to the highest bidders. From there, you can buy and sell with other users as the prices rise and fall, just like a stock market. And with the performance and demand forum, those numbers fluctuate. At the end of the night, Jock Market pays out based on their final performance and the number of shares you still own. And of course, it's live now for the NBA and the PGA, so head on over to the App Store or Google Play Store. Get started today, and when you do, be sure to use promo code TURTLE10 for a free $10 on a deposit of 20 or more. Now, as I said, I am always joined by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we're going to start here this week. We had Alexander Volkov put on an absolute masterclass last weekend. This weekend, we had Derek Lewis put on an absolute slobber knocker KO performance. How fun is this heavyweight division right now? My, oh my, the heavyweight division is back, baby. I don't know that you could ever say it went away, but, you know, I will say, I think heavyweight has actually moved ahead of light heavyweight as the more exciting division here, um, certainly. You know, whereas I think in years past, the two have always kind of been maybe neck and neck, depending on who was champion or what have you. But there are just so many interesting possibilities now. And Derek Lewis seemingly getting better with age in a lot of ways. Grappling just doesn't work on the man. I mean, I, I need to go back and watch DC's blueprint for saucing him the way he did. But other than the DC fight, Lewis the past few years has looked nearly unbeatable. Uh, he's very much in the mix. And then you have this three-way tie at the top. Stipe, Naganu. I actually like Naganu a lot in that rematch, even though he didn't do as good in the first fight against Stipe. But I like him now, two years, three years more evolved in his MMA career. And then the winner gets John Jones. OMG, the possibilities are endless. And of course, we're going to be talking about it in a second, but but friend of the show versus friend of the show in the main event this upcoming weekend, Yaya Rosenstrike and Surreal Gain. Those two are also, I mean, basically the UFC took the top eight heavyweights in the world and book them in four, four main events over like a two month span. It, it was so well thought out. And also I was like, if Jones wasn't interjected in it, just turn something into a tournament for the love of God. I always want the UFC to go back to like tournament style. And this basically was it. If you didn't count the fact that like Jones was going to come in and blow the whole thing up. 
Right. And uh, I have to say, too, you're right. It's a very good for the first time in a while. You know, I think in the ESPN era, the UFC has let some fighters walk, go to Bellator, not overpay. And you end up with sometimes a top-heavy division. Uh, and now I actually think with, like, the emergence of Cyril Gain and then even, like, Dawkins, um, Aspinall, all of a sudden, like the middle class and maybe even more importantly, the young guns are rising in the heavyweight division. And I can't really remember a time when we've had such an exciting fresh crop of uh, big boys. Yeah, and there, there's other ones too, like um, the big Moldovan cat. Um, damn, I'm going to forget his name now too. And I, I love him, but that, that dude is super exciting too. And not yet ranked, and, you know, you mentioned Dawkins, who's now number 10 in the heavyweight rankings. Aspinall has got to be just barely outside the top 15. But the, there are some guys even past there that are exciting. You know, funny to me too, I felt like Lewis maybe this weekend – not just because he tied the record for most knockouts with Vitor Belfort, but just something about his style, the excitingness of his fights. Obviously, he's a funny guy on the mic. I won't take that away from him. Um, but I remember a time, I want to say, maybe did he fight Mark Hunt like three or four years ago as Mark Hunt was kind of nearing the end of his UFC run? And you, there was a lot of talk like, why not re-sign Mark Hunt? He's a fan favorite and this and that. And I totally get that. And in a lot of ways, Mark Hunt is sort of his own like mini legend. And he actually beat Derek Lewis. This is back in 2017. Um, Derek Lewis lost to Mark Hunt. And I remember sort of a lot of UFC fans being like, well, why can't we keep Mark Hunt? We love Mark Hunt. And the UFC made a strategic decision. He was unhappy. They didn't want to pay him, you know, his show and win bonus at that point. They keep a guy like Derek Lewis, who at the time is almost like, at that point, like a 50-50 fighter. Wins two, loses two, sometimes has these really weird performances. And now, all of a sudden, you go by three years, Derek Lewis is almost like a modern-day MMA legend in a lot of ways. And that's crazy to say. Like, do I think he's going to be a champion? No. Do I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? borderline i mean just the record for ko's probably puts him in it but the point being it's just funny to see Derek lewis and this is a guy too let's not forget that a lot of the quote-unquote legends that we all somewhat grew up like loving they all came from like pride you know a lot of them the dan hendersons of the world the hunts and you know shogun and whoever and Derek lewis is entirely a ufc creation same thing goes for Cowboy. For as much as we love Cowboy and all his mystique as, as somewhat of a UFC legend, he really came up in the WEC. So, I don't know. I, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, this just hit me last weekend. Like, Derek Lewis has crossed this threshold as, like, a fan favorite, and it's been entirely under the, the UFC's watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's, that's a really good point in that, like, he is – uniquely a UFC guy. And that doesn't mean there aren't other ones too, right? Like obviously, you know, Nadanu and, and Stipe are, are kind of there as well. And, and John Jones is kind of there as well. But like, yeah, you're right. When we're talking about heavyweight legends, which Jones has never fought a heavyweight, so we wouldn't even include him. But like his resume is incredible. And and I'll tell you what, right now with the, the advancements we're seeing in his game, because it, it was clear, too, in, in both the video package that came beforehand and, and sort of how you saw him move around, he has clearly made a commitment to strength and conditioning as well, right? Like, he's not just 
that like fat power puncher anymore that we kind of thought of before. He he looks stronger. He looks like he's he's putting uh, effort into that. I, I'm not sure. Uh, and call me crazy. Call me crazy. But like, if you put him in a fight with Stipe right now, you would at least think twice before picking Stipe. Right. Agreed. And and that's just to me. You know, like you said, from where he was three years ago, it's such a crazy sentence because you're talking about Steve, a guy who beat Daniel Cormier twice. And, and we're really talking about the fact that right now Derek Lewis has a great shot against him. And, and yeah, I, I, I totally agree. He, he's a legend of the UFC at this point or, or damn near close. And, and one of the, the very few homegrown heavyweight heroes of the UFC. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's honestly amazing to see that progression. I'll tell you what else is amazing, though. It's our favorite segment on the show. It's fights, dogs, parlays, and pretty exciting because, hey, it's another great heavyweight matchup in the main event this week, Rosenstruck versus Gain. Before we get to fights, dogs, and parlays, though, Gumby, one may wonder if any company sponsors us this week. Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it does not matter because you can log your training sessions, make sure that you're meeting your goals, tag your friends, log your competitions and weigh-ins, and so much more. Make sure to download Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. All right. Well, we already talked about it a little bit or teased it, if you will. Uh, our main event is Cyril Gain, a minus 270 favorite, taking on Jair Roizenstruck, and really two exciting fighters like, you know, what we've been talking about. Roizenstruck coming off a TKO win over Junior Dos Santos uh, in a battle of KO monsters. He lost to Francis Nagano before that, knocked out Overeem before that, knocked out Arlovsky before that, knocked out Alan Crowder before that. Do you see a pattern? TKO Junior Albini before that. So in the UFC, his five wins have all come via KO or TKO. This man is a knockout artist, short of when he went up against Francis Ngannou. Uh, then you have Cyril Gein, on the other hand, who really comes from uh, the world of uh, kickboxing. And he has looked very impressive and actually had a um, – excuse me, he came from Muay Thai. I, I knew I had messed that up, but he came from Muay Thai. Uh, and in his professional or in his UFC debut, he actually came up with an arm triangle choke and then finished that and then uh, hit a heel hook after that. So his first two wins in the UFC were via sub. And this is a Muay Thai guy beat Tanner Boser after that and then TKO Junior Dos Santos. So they both have the Junior Dos Santo TKO on their resume. But 4-0 in the UFC, uh, the plus 230 dog or excuse me, the minus 270 favorite here. Roizenstruck, the plus 230 dog. Who do you got? I'm actually going to go with the underdog for the, the you know, I, I didn't pick Derek Lewis last week, and I'm I kind of regretting that now. But Yair Roizenstruck here I think is such a good dog pick for a couple of reasons. Number one, this is a five-round fight, and as we've sort of seen with Yair Roizenstruck, he has knockout power until the very last second. You know, Alistair Overeem learned that the hard way. 25 minutes into the fight, and, and Roizenstruck still could tag him and take him out. And the interesting thing to me with, with Gain is is not that he doesn't have knockout power. I clearly think he does. I also just don't think he chases that knockout often, right? Like, we saw that fight with Tanner Boser. He was sort of 
comfortable just winning a decision over Tanner Bolster. And not for anything, if you go back and watch that fight at the very end of the first round, or almost the end of the first round, Bolster tags him with a left hand, and it doesn't wobble him. But some of that is because Bolster is like a 230-pound, you know, shorter heavyweight. If he gets hit with that kind of punch from Yair Rosenstrike in any of these 25 minutes, I think he goes to sleep. And for me, that's why I kind of like the underdog in this. The underdog here is going to be the one with the heavier punching power. He's got plenty of time to land that punch. And Gain, to me, has just had some moments where it doesn't look like he wants to chase that. So... For that reason, I like Rosenstrick here, and especially at the plus 230 plus uh, uh, price tag. All right. I agree with you there, so I won't add anything. Magomed Anilov, a minus 310 favorite, to our boy Nikita Krylov, a plus 255 dog. Krylov, uh, in his second UFC stint now, uh, had some mixed results since coming back. Lost to Jan Blankovitz, now the champ via arm triangle choke. Beat Ovin St. Prue via rear naked choke. Lost a split decision to Glover Teixeira and then came back with a unanimous decision win over Johnny Walker. So he is 2-2 two and two in his return. Uh, Ankylev is coming off a big KO over Ian Kutaleba and a TKO over Ian Kutaleba before that. Kind of a crazy fight. Uh, and then also beat... Dalga Langiambula uh, beat Kitson Abreu via unanimous decision and beat Marcin Pricinio via KO. So since losing to Paul Craig via triangle choke in his debut, which, hey, let's face it, Paul Craig has been known to pull off a sub, this man has reeled off four wins in a row. And that is why he's the minus 310 favorite here to Krylov the plus 255 dog. Who you got? I'm going with Ankalaev here, and, and let me tell you something. First of all, you're right by mentioning that he, he lost to Paul Craig, and there's no shame in that. He also beat Paul Craig for 14 minutes and 59 seconds. That's a fact. Paul Craig won one second of that fight, and it was enough to win, and it was a triangle choke. Because um, that's when he pulled off the sub, too. You can go look at it. Uh, four minutes and 59 seconds of the, ver- of the third round uh, triangle choke victory over Ankalaev after being just absolutely suffocated on the ground by him the whole time. Uh, and I think that that's kind of the problem here with Krylov. Krylov, good grappler, you know, kind of got fun submissions here and there, but also like prone to being put on his back and beaten up a little bit. And I think they're, they're, that's exactly what's going to happen here. Ankalaev, despite having faced a little bit lower of a level of competition, you just mentioned Krylov fought the number one contender and the champ in the division. Ankalaev hasn't fought that, but I, I'm still, I'm really high on, on Magomed Ankalaev. You know, we, we talked kind of before about how this division was without somebody with big, heavy wrestling that can kind of scare people. I actually think Igaliev is going to wind up being that person. You're going to see him storm up this division and give a lot of people problems. Uh, and, and I just don't think that Nikita Krylov is going to be either on his feet enough or be offensive enough in the grappling here to, to do, really do anything to Igaliev. Yeah, I think that's very well said, and I don't ever really trust uh, Nikita Krylov, <laughs> even at the plus 255, uh, but that's just me. We'll move on then. Jimmy Rivera is a minus 145 favorite. To Pedro Munoz, a 125 dog. Munoz coming off two back-to-back losses, albeit to Aljamain Sterling and Frankie Edgar. Did have a nice KO win over Cody Garbrandt and a TKO win over Brian Caraway back in 2018. So two and two in his last four. Uh, if you want to peel it back even further, beat Brett Johns, but lost to John Dodson. So you could also say three and three in his last six. Jimmy Rivera once reeled off 20 wins in a row in his professional <laughs> career and then ran into Marlon Marias, uh, came and lost via KO, 
came back with a big win over John Dotson, but then lost to, believe it or not, Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan, who, of course, are fighting for the title, so the very two tops of the division right now. Came back with a win over Cody Stamen. Very, so, you know, for him, after the massive win streak with wins over the likes of Thomas Almeida, Uriah, Fiber, uh, Uriah Faber, Iri Alcantara, runs into Marlon Marias, then beats John Dodson, loses to the top of the division, Jan and Sterling, comes back with a win over Stamen, obviously looking to put together two, three, four-fight win streak here, try to get that elusive title shot again, uh, but very interesting place in his career He's the favorite here. Who you taking? So I'm going to take Jimmy Rivera. And it's also interesting that you did talk about his, his title aspirations because uh, I had a chance to talk to him. I think he was on the show three weeks ago when this fight was originally booked because this fight's been booked like seven times at this point. One guy is COVID. One guy's hurt. One guy's this. One guy's that. And he's actually talking about moving up a weight class despite being a shorter guy. Uh, he, you know, he, he fought that Cody Stamen fight on short notice up at Featherweight and said he felt really good there. So it, it's worth noting that he's sort of got one foot out the door of the Bantamweight division anyway. With that being said, I still like him here against Pedro Munoz. I think he's a little bit quicker on the feet. Um, Pedro Munoz is not going to you know, get that knockout like he did against Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt is, is a guy who throws caution to the wind and just kind of throws bombs and either he's going to fall or you're going to fall. And in that case, he fell. And, and I just don't see Jimmy Rivera fighting that kind of fight where he gets, you know, slugged out. He's never been like that. The one knockout to Marlon Marais was a freak knee in like the first or a freak head kick in like the first 30 seconds of that fight. So I think he's a durable guy. I think he's a guy who's, who's learned a lot about what he wants to do on the feet. And as long as he avoids the submission game here of Pedro Munoz, I think he has that advantage in, in Pedro Munoz's wrestling doesn't blow me away. So I, I'm going with Jimmy Rivera here, um, but definitely a decision here. I, I don't see either of these guys taking the other one out. Our underdog of the week her, 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 is Tiago Moises, a plus 160 over Alexander Hernandez. Break it down. So I like Alexander Hernandez. Let me say that first of all, because he's a super athletic guy. But the fact of the matter is, is Tiago Moises in his last two fights has looked outstanding. He heel hooked Michael Johnson, which is no small feat whatsoever. And then followed that up by taking Bobby Green's win streak away. Bobby Green had a massive win streak. And Tiago Moises kind of used a little bit of wrestling and out wrestled him. He swept him. He even looked good on the feet. And my problem here with Alexander Hernandez is that really large, physical, athletic build because he, he tends to tire. And when you add that into the fact of the guy who, A, doesn't tire, and B, has good submission skills at all points of the, the fight, I, I just think that's probably a big problem for Hernandez. And if you peel back Hernandez on, on fight metric, you're going to find that he's given up some takedowns to people who you don't think of as good offensive wrestlers. Like Donald Cerrone took him down. And while I love the grappling of Cowboy, he's certainly not a particularly good offensive wrestler. So I think Tiago Moises is going to have him down enough to have his way with him on the mat. And, and for me, that's that's a worrisome thing for Alexander Hernandez. And at a plus 160 price tag, I think that's ripe for picking. I'll tell you what else is ripe for picking. It's our parlay of the week. Alonzo Menafield, a minus 110 favorite. Pair him together with Alex Caraceres. Alex Caceres, a minus 210 favorite. It's going to give you plus 180 odds. Let's hear it. So first of all, I love Alonzo Menafield in this fight. I think he's being vastly underrated due to the fact that he's on back-to-back -back losses from Devin Clark in OSP. You know, those are obviously two tough losses. He's fighting a very young, inexperienced fighter in William Knight. 
a guy who we've seen when he gets into bad positions tries the Derek Lewis method. Uh, he's basically a big, physically strong light heavyweight who just tries to stand up or just tries to power out. And it's worked against kind of the low-level guys he's fought on the Contender Series or Alexa Kamer in the UFC who's not, you know, he's kind of that same kind of thing. He just tries to muscle out of things. I think he's going to run into a huge, huge technique disadvantage here. And and he isn't just going to be able to power through somebody who's vastly more technical in Alonzo Menafield. So I like Menafield in that fight and especially at damn near close to pick him odds. And then I also like Alex Caceres here against Kevin Kroom. Kroom is a guy who's kind of a journeyman. He, he got to the UFC after a really long time and sort of picked up his first win, which later got turned into a no contest due to smoking marijuana, um, by like quick guillotine. And now he's be, being given this huge step up in competition because it looked like, you know, he might be a world beater in that fight. I just don't think he has the skills to get on the inside of Alex Caceres because Caceres has shown that that's his best skill is like he forces you to fight his kind of fight. And I just don't think Kroom gets on the inside. And even if he does, I, I kind of like Caceres in a grappling match there too. So the, the negative 210 price tag certainly doesn't shy me away. And when you compare them together and get that kind of plus money, the value is for sure there. Well, I'll tell you what I like and I'll tell you what I think has a lot of value. It's our fights, dogs, and parlays. And our picks in general, I encourage everyone to follow along on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We're always giving some picks, maybe a couple of sarcastic quips here and there. We're a good Twitter follow. And also, I encourage everyone to go to betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas, where we will be doing some uh, UFC gambling breakdown videos. Uh, tons of stuff coming your way if you're a fan of Top Turtle. And please tell your friends. Gumby, let's keep the train moving. What do we got for the good people next? Well, we're gonna, what we're going to close this week with is our interview with Surreal Gain as he prepares for the aforementioned Yair Rosen strike. And we're going to get you to that interview right now. All right, and joining me today is Surreal Gain, who fights Yair Rosenstrike as the headliner at UFC in the Apex on February 27th. So, Surreal, I wanted to start here. Obviously, this fight was originally scheduled to be a three-round fight. They move it to a five-round headliner. What were sort of your thoughts when the UFC came to you with that change? Uh, no, that's okay. That's not really a, a big change for us because all all, all the years we train uh, we train for for have the, the biggest conditioning. You understand? So that that's really not a problem. Well, that's excellent. Now, obviously, because you train for a five round fight, do you feel like that also benefits you in this fight against Yair yeah, Rosenstruck? Do you think that you're better prepared for five rounds? Uh, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly, but I really, uh, I, I can say, um, my strength is the conditioning, you understand? So yes, I think, I think it's good for me. Excellent. Now I know, you know, you, you've got this kickboxing background, but I wanted to ask you about the fact that, that your first two fights in the UFC, you actually picked up submissions. Was that on purpose? Did you did you intend to try to sort of show off that you're more than you know just a traditional kickboxer in those fights? No, but you know now uh, I can say that I want to be the a polyvalent fighter. You understand? So so for me that's really not a surprise for my coach too because we work on it a lot, a lot, a lot. You understand? Absolutely. And, and do you feel like that's a, an avenue that, that you can continue to explore against guys like Yair Rosenstreich? See? 
Est-ce que tu penses que c'est un art que tu vas continuer à exploiter avec Jazino? Yes, 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 of course. With, uh, with everybody, you understand? With, with, with everyone. I want to be, you, you understand? Uh, uh, yes, exactly. And the guy, gonna, you know, he's a striker, he's a wrestler, he's a, he's a, he's a big grappler, you understand? I like that. Absolutely. Now, I, I want to talk about what this fight does for you, because obviously the goal is the belt, right? Like, you want to get to the top of that heavyweight division. You're undefeated. How close do you feel like this win would put you to the title? Yes, we are really close. And now I can talk about the belt, because we are in the top. And if I win uh, in the 27, yes, for sure. I'm on my way, and I... And, and, uh, I go, I, I go after the, the bed, for real. And, and I know that it's obviously a, a very sensitive subject because you have, you know, one of your teammates, one of your friends in Francis Naganu fighting for the title, which obviously I, I know you're rooting for him and you're hoping he wins it, but ha has that crossed your mind about the possibility of, you know, the fact that he could be the champion right about the time where you're arriving to get that title shot? Yes, yes, yes. That, that's really crazy from the tension like me. And uh, uh, it's me. If I imagine one day we're going to fight for the belt, that's really crazy for my country. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And, and I have to imagine that if that does happen to you, you'd love for it to be on home soil in France, right? Like you're hoping by that time we, we have a chance to have a UFC in Paris. Yes, I will. Uh, uh, maybe I don't know when, but 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 yes, I can't wait for this. Absolutely. So I, I want to ask too. So you mentioned that that if you you know it's sort of a dream for your country and for you and Francis together to to have that amazing contest where you'd be able to fight each other for the title. Do you, do you wonder about what that would be like though? Is it is it would it be weird to have to fight a guy who you've been friendly with? Est-ce que, est que ça te fait bizarre d'être chaud de combattre contre un mec avec lequel tu as été ami Oui. Uh, with Francis, we are not really, really close like, like maybe uh, uh, Ousmane and Burns, but, uh, but that's, yes, it seems strange to fight with the guy when we train with, 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 with him, you understand and, uh, and because when I started uh, the MMA in the, in the MMA factory, um this go to live already in the in the US. You understand? That's why I told you we are not really, really close. So so I have to imagine then you don't run into that same problem with, with coaches either. Obviously you have you know Fernand right next to you at the at the current moment, he would be in your corner and, and there's no necessarily worry about having to split that up. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, you know, I, I want to get back to the fight against uh, Yair Rosenstruck. Let's talk about this a little bit because, you know, you're fighting him in, you know, you mentioned you, you like to show off your, your whole style of your game. He's kind of a big power puncher. He's a guy who likes to go for the big knockout. Do you see this being a fight where you have to avoid that for a long period of time? Or do you see it that you can get him out of there quickly? Est-ce que tu penses que c'est un combat où tu pourrais durer et jouer dans le temps pour démontrer tout ce que tu fais, ou est-ce que tu penses que c'est un combat où tu peux gagner très rapidement, vu qu'il est dangereux, 
euh, avec euh, la puissance qu'il a. Each holder, each holder, yeah. I can finish the fight, but I can manage the fight to the decision. That's really not a problem for me. I prove it, and uh, and uh, I can do I, I can do both. Absolutely. So if you feel like it can go either way, obviously, but you're really looking for that title shot, do you feel any pressure to try to push forward a little bit more for that knockout, or are you just happy with the, the victory over him? Est-ce que tu sens qu'il y a une pression à vouloir absolument prouver que tu peux, tu veux chercher le cas ou tu penses que c'est pas nécessaire? Non, 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 non. You know, my position, I, I, I think you understand my background. I have just three years in the MMA. I think I proved it already, you understand? So I'm going to do my fight. I'm going to do my prestation, you know? I'm going to do my, my art. That's it. I want to make a show for sure. For the fans, for for the people, for my team, but no, not a pressure about that. And, and you know, you mentioned in there too. You you've only been fighting MMA for three years. Do, do you feel like this is you know this rush to the top? You're fighting number three in the heavyweight division. Is is it kind of crazy to think back at all of that and, and knowing that three years ago you weren't even in the sport? Yeah. When I'm thinking about that, when I talk about that, because I don't really think about that. But yes, when you talk, when the man started uh, 10 years ago, you understand, and me just three years and I'm in the top 10, that's really crazy for sure. Absolutely. Now, again, you said you feel like you're very close to that title shot. With a win here, you will be very close to that fight. And obviously, there's the name John Jones being thrown around as kind of getting separate in there too and maybe jumping ahead of somebody like you who's more deserving. Does that bother you at all? No, 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 no. I'm, re I'm really excited about that. I can't wait to see this guy in the heavyweight division. And I, I saw in, uh, in, I saw uh, his transformation conditioning. You understand? And I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I can't, wait, I, I can't wait to see that. All right, so with, and obviously the, the last question I have for you here, you get through Yair Rosenstruck, you see that you are right at the edge of that title shot. What's next for you if you should beat Yair this upcoming weekend? And how do you see sort of your path to the title going? Now, I can tell you I'm on my way, for real. I'm going to go after the, after the bill. All right. Thank you so much, Cyril. Once again, this is Cyril Gane, who fights Yair Robes and Strike as the headliner of UFC at the Apex on February 27th. Cyril, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, too. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. Couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without our sponsors, Maroon Social, Jock Market, and Better Than Vegas. We also want to thank our mothership, CagesidePress.com, for giving us a home. And we want to remind you guys to check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at TopTurtleMMA. We'll be giving you live updates during the fights, as well as all kinds of other great stuff at those two places. So, until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Rewin, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you then.